Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott, and you're listening to the song Penny Rabbit and Summer Bear by Kishibashi. It's the first track on Omoyari, the newest album from Kishibashi, and he's joining me now from WUGA in Athens to discuss his new music and that new album, which comes out on May 31st. Welcome back to On Second Thought. Great to speak with you. Great to be here. The album is called Omoyari, and what does that mean exactly? Moyari, it's a Japanese word. It's about having consideration for another person, to have compassion, to think about them. It has to do with just having empathy. That's such a gentle word for what is really a deep subject here. This is a big album, and it's about a lot of history inspired by, I guess, oppression, if I can say that. Was there any specific thing that triggered you to start all of this? You mean like the 2016 presidential election? I personally felt uncomfortable as a minority for the first time when all these executive orders were going out preventing Muslims as a religion. And I saw direct parallels to the incarceration. And it also happened to be the 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. So just kind of a perfect storm of political messaging. Well, the historic part is the album reflects a lot on the Japanese-American experience during World War II, which is when more than 100,000, 111 to 120,000 by some estimates, Japanese-Americans forced into internment camps. That decision, the landmark decision from the Supreme Court, Korematsu, which allowed the president to put all these Japanese-Americans in camps, is something that's been cited a lot in recent history. H- how are those two related for you? I mean, it, it was overturned recently in uh, just as a kind just of... Just a year a ago. Ki- yeah, just a year ago. And it kind of um, ironically with the uh, the Muslim ban being um, upheld. And uh, it's it's unanimously agreed uh, as a as a mistake. You know, but the, the whole idea is that the government, if things go wrong and if you don't pay attention, then the government can really take away your rights as a citizen. And I think that's what it boils down to. Your parents immigrated from Japan to the U.S. after World War II. So how conscious of this chapter in Japanese-American history were you when you were growing up? I kind of knew about it because, you know, just as a Japanese-American. But I think my connection is with Japan. My mother's Okinawan, so she, her, her relatives suffered in the Battle of Okinawa tremendously. And I think I have a really um, a larger perspective about just the war to know that it's just ridiculous on both sides. I felt threatened, you know, as a Japanese American because, A, this, this could have happened to me back then. And then and this is poss- potentially happening to people in America or around the world. But it's, it's a personal thing, but it's also impersonal. So let's hear a song, the second song on the album. It's called F. Delano. Can you give us a little bit of a backstory before we hear it? <laughs> well, it's about Roosevelt, FDR, the president who actually wrote the executive order. Um, and signed it and put it into action. And he was a hero to a whole generation of Americans, Um, you know, created all these social programs that we depend on today, brought America out of the Great Depression. Yet, you know, he's a villain to an entire race of people here back then. And heroes and villains are easy to understand for children, but I think for adults, it's a duality that's uh, very complicated. I think the complexities of World War II is just uh, it's just something that we should always just keep talking about, or war and conflict in general. It's just it's just not black and white. 
You're going to play it for us along with your longtime collaborator, Mike Savino, who performs as Tall, Tall Trees and joins you on the album. He'll be playing banjo. Let's hear F. Delano. Kishibashi with Mike Savino, who performs as Tall, Tall Trees. They're playing at WUGA, live rendition of F. Delano. We're talking about his new album, Omoyari, which channels painful histories from World War II into music. And it's coming out May 31st. On the cover of the the record, the album has beautiful little carved wooden birds. Is there a backstory to that? Yeah, that's actually from the uh, the Art of Gaman, which was uh, it's a book about uh, art collected and created in the internment camps, and it was actually my first 
uh, foray in, into researching. And this book is really beautiful because it it really shows how incredibly uh, talented everybody was. I mean, they're very creative. They're people. It basically, it kind of connected me to them in a way that I could relate to in that they were artists as, as well as just being incarcerates. Right, the urge to make. I understand that you started making this music while visiting sites of former internment camps. What was that research process like? I wanted to get a visceral experience. There's a lot of literature out there, so I, I did a lot of reading prior to. And then when I went to the spaces, I kind of meditated on, on, on what it was like to be incarcerated back then. And I think I could relate because there's a lot of music. You know, they had these jazz bands in the camps. And I think as a musician, that's like I, I felt like that's where I would have ended up. I would have tried to be in, in one of these bands. And so I ended up writing music at the camps, too. Where did you begin? We went to Manzanar in California and then Tule Lake and there's a couple in Arizona. Ended up going to Heart Mountain in Wyoming. They're all over the country. There's two in Arkansas. I'm wondering if you can describe a little bit about what you learned about what life was like in the camps. Life was, I think, in the beginning, extremely bleak because there's nothing out there. These are extremely remote places that normally people didn't want to live. You know, what's interesting is that eventually they just got used to it, and some people didn't even want to leave because they didn't have anything else. They, they had nothing. They got forced from their homes. It's, it's complicated, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, people are people, are people and they're just they're doing whatever best they can to protect themselves and their family and keep their hopes alive. I think for a lot of people who grew up in the U.S., uh, whose you know parents, fathers fought in the war, a lot of them don't talk about it. Did yeah, you I find mean, in the generation of survivors that people just didn't talk about it? Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty typical. Um, when there's when there's trauma, you know, that's that's really the first mechanism is to is to just forget about it. And that was really the case in Japan. The Japanese really don't want to talk about World War II because. You know, if you think about the Allied victory, it's a victory. You think about Japan, they sacrifice so much, and like, for what? Mm. So it's it's kind of on top of the loss, it's the humiliation, and it's, it, it just runs deep. And it's, it's dangerous, you know, because you can start creating alternate histories, and pretending like it never happened is really the most dangerous thing you can do. One of the reasons why this decision, Korematsu, is, you know, held up like as one of the worst decisions ever made by the Supreme Court, is that this is a country that so long stood for people's freedom. And this is such a mark uh, against that. At that point in the 1940s, did Japanese Americans have any kind of voice? The Japanese Americans really were, like any other minority group, extremely uh, just vulnerable. There's a lot of anti-Asiatic groups and agricultural lobby groups that really wanted to take the wealth away from the Asians on the West Coast and basically use Pearl Harbor as a way to lobby for this. So, And obviously there's a lot of people who didn't want their their friendly neighbors to leave. And obviously there's a lot of suspicion, you know, because about, you know, are they the enemy? And so there's a lot of uh, media hysteria that just played up on it. And ultimately what led to this happening was just bad leadership. So FDR really succumbed to this kind of hysteria. And I think that's what we have to really, that's the lesson that we can take from that. So we have to be very careful. I'd like to hear another song off of Omoyari. This one is called Marigolds. I wish that I had met you when your heart was safe to hold. When you were simple and fancy in that field of marigolds. 
that is Marigold from Kishibashi's new record, Omoyari. It is going to have a NPR first listen on the 23rd of May, but we're getting, let's say, I guess we're getting the prequel, the first first listen here on GPB, thanks to WUGA and Kishibashi. I wish that I had met you when your heart was safe to hold. So I hear here that what happens when there is damage, when there is pain? That kind of stems through a lot of um, the pain I saw with the, maybe people of a younger generation than me and even my child. Um, I have a 13-year-old, but there's a, there's a lot of like real anger, almost debilitating anger. And I think, especially concerning politics, and, and I think what I want to convey with that song is that you know, you can't really, you can never really know what another person of another generation or another person standing next to you is, what his universe looks like to him and through his eyes or in his head. Once you understand that somebody else is completely in another universe, then I think you'll find the humility to open up. Let's listen to a little bit from Angeline. First of all, what is this song about? We took a trip to the South and uh, on the way to Arkansas, where there's two internment camps, and uh, we stopped in Selma, and we went to this, uh, there's a slavery museum in Selma. It struck me how the criminality, um, to connect it to the Japanese-American internment, is that the criminality of being incarcerated, it's not just a law, you know, when, when law can be used as a weapon to, to basically change your perception on a whole entire race of people, I think that's what really, really got me. The sadness of that is embedded in the song. That is the song Angeline off of Kishibashi's new album, Omoyari, which is a musical exploration of oppression and incarceration in America from World War II until today. These are the kind of stories that deepen your understanding of our region, of our country, and our world. And that's why you rely on GBB. I'm Virginia Prescott, hoping that we can rely on you to join with listeners around the state and beyond to help cover the costs of all of the news and information and conversations you get from GBB. And that's how public radio works. And that's what our Spring Fund Drive is all about. It is a partnership. Our doors are open, and we hope you will be the next to partner up with the GPB family. Please go to gpb.org or call us at 800-222-4788. Go ahead and do it now while you're listening and thinking about it. And thank you. We're back with On Second Thought from GPB. I'm Virginia Prescott with Kishibashi. He's the Athens-based singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist. has a new album out this month. It's called Omoyari. NPR's first listen is going to happen on May 23rd, but we're getting a sort of pre-pre first listen today. You've, you've written a lot of songs about love and relationships, and it's the same on this album, but the songs are different. And I, I think we have tendencies to look back on these painful chapters of history with a kind of remove. <laughs> what, what, it's, it's dusty, yeah. Well, it is and dusty. And there's the song. It that can you, be. Well, all right. So how do you make it undusty? How do you dust, well, <laughs> blow the dust off? <laughs> how do you dust? I mean, I, I look for universal themes like love and, and loss and desire. And I think these are, if you, un, if you look at these stories of what people were like, 
then I think you, you can really find it easy to connect. And, you know, you look at World War II and they're like kids fighting, you know, children out you know, fighting each other. And it's like to really realize like that that's what it was like. I think that's how people will, you can connect and movies do that. Songs, it's, it's a little more difficult with songs, but uh, it's all the same. I don't know. There's a lot of visuals. The, the song Summer of 42 is one of them. Can you tell us a little bit about that song? I think you're going to play it for us as well. Yeah, Summer of 42 is about two people who fall in love in, in an incarceration camp. And and ultimately, one goes off to war, comes back, and she's gone. You know, And it's like, is that a love story? I guess. I guess so. But it's the kind of thing that probably happened a lot. And it's love, loss, and, and the desire to, to, to connect. There's a verse in there. We counted stars above us. We dreamed of Xanadu. We'd sneak off to the desert. It's love can happen everywhere, anywhere. Any generation, anytime. That's a beautiful, universal thing. I'd love to hear the song. Great. Love to play it for you.
That is the song Summer of 42 from the album Omoyari from Kishibashi, also playing with him there, Mike Savino, who performs as Tall, Tall Trees. So this album is unlike anything you've done before, delving into these questions of history and identity and discrimination and privilege. Tell us a little bit more about a song film that you're doing. What else do you envision for this film? So the song film actually follows me making this album. So that's part of it. And that's why it's a song film. It kind of follows my personal journey and my growth, you know, as a person. And then also just uh, creating this album and interacting with musicians. Actually, I've never recorded with Mike. <laughs> I, I've toured with him for like nine years. He's one of my best friends. Never recorded with him in, in the studio. And this is like the first time I decided to, to trust another musician. Huh, so music. normally you do this process <laughs> yeah. yourself. I mean, I know with Sonderlust, there was a lot of vocal effects. We heard a lot more electronic sounds. So is it evolving in some kind of way with this new record? Yeah, this is a, a totally new approach for me. It was actually really easy. The rehearsals were hard, but, you know, it's, it's the idea that we create the music together. You know, I write the songs and bring it to them, and then we, then we hack it out. That is Kei Ishibashi, who you may know as Kishibashi. His new album, Omoyari, is out later this month, and he's also turning the music from the album into a song film, which is a new format for the Athens-based musician. What did making a film allow you to do that music alone couldn't or didn't? I'm still working on the movie, so, uh, but it's uh, it's definitely a, a completely different process. But I think for me, uh, I've always been, uh, I, I've, I've loved film and this is a chance that I, I really wanted to take. And so I think I realized that I was learning, I was changing so much dramatically that this is something, you know, worth capturing. And so, I, you know, I took a filmmaker with me and... It's a, It's been a transformative process for sure. What do you mean you were changing so much dramatically? Well, in the beginning, I was kind of a naive musician, and I didn't really understand um, what the problem was, you know. But then, and then I started to realize there's a fundamental problem in this country that a lot of people of privilege, myself included, you know, don't understand. I didn't understand my privilege. That's the kind of thing that really changed over the course of the year as I started filming and making this album. You have to really empathize with people who really have nothing you know, who have nowhere to go. And I think that's when I started to realize what that felt like, then I started to realize, you know, that there's there's these, there's an underbelly to this country that, that needs to be addressed. You said you had a 13-year-old daughter. How do you talk to her about this and, and about the process that you went through when you were visiting these camps? She came with me to Heart Mountain. She gets it. You know, kids really, even at that age, you think they don't know anything. They're just Snapchatting or whatever. But um, they, they, they are full of knowledge and full of ideas, you know. I'm also very encouraged because her generation is uh, more empathetic. They talk about bullying and, you know, things that when I was a kid, we didn't talk about. Hmm. You know, nobody was gay. Everybody's in the closet. To know that her generation is more tolerant it actually kind of gives me a lot of encouragement. Well, I want to play another song. This is called Theme from Jerome and in parentheses, Forgotten Words.
singing there a little bit in Japanese, which you've done before. Can you tell us the meaning of the lyrics? Well, kanashimi, it's the sadness of basically not being able to communicate. And so my idea with this song was that it's,、uh, it's, make, it's like a grandfather who can't communicate with his children the way he wants to. Because in these camps,、um, you know, you, couldn't, you were discouraged from speaking Japanese. You know, both internally, you wanted to be more American. And then you can't read, you could, Japanese books were banned. Unless they're Bibles. And、um, I think it's, it's about assimilation. It's about being in a country and f- being forced to, even by your own accord, to kind of hide your own culture and your origin. That's extremely painful for me because, you know, I, I love speaking Japanese, I love the culture, I love the food. And to suppress something that's a part of you is something extremely painful. You posted a screen grab on Instagram of a comment from an angry fan who said, You've gotten too political、uh, at a show. What, what has the response been to the songs you're singing now? I, have, I, I, get no, I, I really don't get any negative feedback, but I think, yeah, somebody who just got, I think probably just got in for free to the concert and then saw the first part of the documentary. I screened a little bit about it, and I think they saw something that they just didn't like and they didn't understand and about why the Japanese. Were in turn. They thought they deserved it. They thought it was something that had to be done. And maybe I mentioned Trump. I don't know. I don't try and be political. The movie and this whole message is about inclusivity and understanding differences, you know. And so、um, I try my best not to mention、uh, our president most of the time. But I like to feel that every, we're all on the same page here in America, that, we, you know, we, we all want the same things. We want, you know, we want a safe home, we want a job,、um, and we want to be respected. So I think that's the kind of thing that. Um, as long as we work towards that,、uh, we can all, you know, we can share the same goals. One of the songs on this album sounds like nothing I've ever heard from you before. It's called Annie, Heart Thief of the Sea. Let's hear just a little bit of that. I was sailing on the sea. There was nothing as far as I could see. The sea from my guest Kishibashi. Boy, that's a, that's a romper. <laughs> that's a romper. It's a barn. What's it called? A barn? <laughs> barn <stormer> ? burner. <laughs> barn burner. <laughs> so, what is it about making that? Tell us about making it and your decision to actually end the record with it. So, that's an example of me. We just recorded it live, just shouting into mics and、hmm. maybe had a couple、uh, libations floating around. But、um, I actually wrote that song. That's a definitely a moonshine kind of song. <laughs> There's some moon. Yeah, we recorded that in Asheville, in the mountains、mm-hmm. of Asheville. If you want full disclosure, I actually wrote that a long time ago for,、uh, for something else. It was just kind of sitting around and it felt perfect for this album because I had these great musicians with me. And、uh, Annie Pearl actually <laughs> happens to be the civil rights activist that we interviewed for the movie. So I thought it was perfect. Huh. I'd like to know a little bit more about her for listeners who might not be familiar. She lives in Selma and she was at the, the Edmund Pettus Bridge when they. When Martin Luther King、uh, marched across and, or tried to march across the first time. And she was really instrumental in that. She really just has this, this great spirit. She just, she just keeps the fight, you know, and she, she's a part of the, the Slavery Museum down there, and she's, she's always been active in it and is really inspiring. 
Well, you certainly learned a lot about history on this trip, about the experience of living in the camps and expressing that. What else did you learn maybe about yourself? I found a new purpose, I guess, in this album in that uh, a lot of my listeners, you know, um, were very distressed and I feel they're still distressed about the political system and what's going on. And I think one of the things that I realized as an artist is that I, my job is to, to, to provide healing and not discord. And I think uh, that's really my impetus for making this album. And I, I feel invigorated for finding that purpose. Mawuena, thank you so much for sharing it with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That's Keishibashi, the Athens-based musician, performs as Kishibashi. His newest album, Omoyari, is out on May 31st. There's a first listen on NPR on the 23rd of May. And for more information, you can go to gpbnews.org. We'll also post a link to see that little trailer for his song film. That's it for our show for today. On Second Thought is produced by Amelia Brock, Leighton Rowell, and The Raven Taylor. Jesse Nyswanger is our engineer. Don Smith is our editor. Amy Kiley, senior producer. And special thanks today to Mike Carden at WUGA. I'm Virginia Prescott. And really, On Second Thought is produced in part by you. It is your support which makes this program possible. And it's our spring fun drive, one of the few times a year that we ask for you to support what you hear, everything on GPB. The amount is really up to you. What counts is that we hear from you and you become an active listener, active participant in all that we do here at GPB.